This is a HeadGum Podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. All right, team, we've been tasked with making the animatronics for Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria. And this is this is a huge order for us. This is going to put us on the map. So we got to come up with some interesting characters. Obviously, we got to represent Freddy Fazbear as an animatronic. But I'm open to pitches about, you know, what kind of features these animatronics might might have. You let you guys take it away. I just we're the guys for the job. I just want to say that here at Gooberman Animatronics, we hit this one out of park. Yeah, we ain't fucking around. We're not what we do, fucking around. We do the best. We do the best. Look, I, yeah, I, we've we've made some really great animatronics before, but I think because of the footprint that Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria has, I think this is going to be a huge opportunity for us. So we can't, oh, yeah. we cannot mess this up. Yeah, you say that five times fast. You know what I'm saying? That's a that's a bit of a tongue twister. All right, <laughs> I got I got to pitch right out of the gate. Let's hear it. Free walking robots. They can move around interact with the kids and wow. they're real they're real strong you know like like strong enough to crush bones i like this bone crushing area i think it's a good yeah. area to explore just bone crushing in general no. like they, you 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 know they, it's like oh man he's coming off stage look at him go oh he's, look at that he guy can... he's, he's wailing out a guitar a second ago what what wait he's crushing bones now yeah that that's I... what we need yeah, I, I I like I like the idea of the free roam. That's that's right. pretty good. You don't see that usually. The animatronics are pretty stationary. We'll have to sort All of right. come up with maybe a proprietary technology for that. But the bone, the bone crushing part, doesn't seem like it's necessary or even part of it. Like, uh, what? when would that ever even come into play? You, I, gu- guitar playing, is that's interesting because, you know, a lot of times it would look kind of fake. Maybe they're just waving their arm in front of a guitar, but maybe we could do something specific so want, like, with the, like with the fingers. Robots? You want them to be, like, real weak? Yeah, they weak? should be like, weak. They can't, I don't think no they should be weak, weak robots. robots. I, 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 I'm animatronics. I'm going to go weak robots. I want a strong robot. I want them to have... You know, like I want him to be able to make a fist or or be able to hold something like he could grab a pizza box for the kids or he can pick up a knife. I like that. You know, knife like bitch. he can he can get swing a knife. Yeah, just swing you know, a knife around like sort of like can do like a stabbing motion, but also like a swooshing motion. Or and that wh- underhead that like that uh, that sort of uh, that Braveheart gutting, you know, like what they oh, take yeah, out that's the good. intestines. Yeah. Oh, my movie's sick as hell. It's, it's the movie's so good. Like, you're it's not so sad. What, it's so me. sad that what happened to that rules. director. It's so <laughs> yeah, sad. It's so, it's it's so, so sad what happened so to unfair. him. But, but the thing, I don't think he, I don't think these animatronics need a stabbing feature. Like, there's no what in what context would he even need to hold a knife uh, all right, to begin with? Look, I, we're just blue skying. All right, we're just like throwing ideas out there. I got one. 
All right, what's it? Each of the animatronic Anapals should have a compartment that houses the soul of one child. That's fucking great. Like it just sort of sucked the soul and personality out of a child and then just it can embody That's... that child in perpetuity. I came I came into this meeting fully loaded and you my friend had a bandolier of ideas. That is fucking great. Hey, you know, I'm just following your lead. You know, that's the process here. That's why we work in a room. Just Tony things Antonio. Off of each other. Ping, pong, I tell ping, everybody pong. I know, Tony Antonio's the guy in the industry. If you want to come up with an idea as brilliant as an Anapal got a soul chamber locked right into it. Well, it's it's all in deference to you. It's all because of you. Look, we're we making these robots or not? These uh, well, bone crushing, knife wielding, child soul hoarding robots. We making them? Because I'm ready to go. What, I don't know what you guys are going to be doing, but I'm going to tell you right now that I quit. I quit, and I I cannot take part in uh, making animatronics. I can't be the Oppenheimer of the chain pizzeria animatronic field. Okay, I, I I'm out. I can't That's do great. that. You know what? Because I felt like you were Hoover damming us. And what I want is just a, <laughs> a, a quick run of ideas here. So I'll pitch, you pitch, I pitch, you pitch. How? Here we go. Can take the eyes out of a kid. Love it. Uh, how about uh, 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 can make like a, a necklace of ears from little yeah, ears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Feeds on children's fingernails and toenails. Drinks piss. Washes in piss. Cooks things in piss. All right, I'm back in. <laughs> we toggle between security cameras and groove to talking in your sleep as we discuss the movie adaptation of Five Nights at Freddy's this week on Get Played. to Get Played, your one-stop show for good games, bad games, and every game in between. It's time to Get Played. I'm your host, Heather Ann Campbell, along with my fellow host, Nick Weiger. That's me, Nick Weiger, and I'm here with our third host, Matt Apodaca. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. And welcome back, Bucket, to the premiere video game podcast, where this week we're talking about, I believe it's it's it's. Grossed enough now to be the number one film in the United States two weekends in a row, Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah, as of this uh, as of this episode's release, we're coming out on the Monday. We're obviously recording the previous week. It may be three weekends in a row. Who knows? Uh, as of this recording, it's grossed $215 million worldwide uh, against a $20 million budget. Uh, kind of reviled by critics, but audiences love it. A minus cinema score from audiences. That's like what Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning did. So it's a very, very well-received movie. Uh, but we're going to give our own thoughts as people who are significantly older than the target audience for this movie. <laughs> I want to say I watched I watched this with uh, as part of my ongoing uh, uh, caregiving uh, treatment plan. My mother is staying with me. And so I watched Gail this Campbell. with my mom wow. and my wife. Wow. And uh, and and so they they watched the entire thing. Um, and I can fill us fill fill you guys in on their thoughts about the movie also. But I think we have other things to discuss first. We do. You know, first off, and, and like we've talked about, 
Uh, like we talked about last week, we're now on the HeadGum Podcast Network. Very fa- very happy to be here at HeadGum. This is a HeadGum uh, Podcast. And as part of this transition, what's that? This is a HeadGum Podcast. Are you the Are you the voice? I never realized that. <laughs> I'm auditioning that. to be the voice. Okay. It's good. I know. I know. It's like it's it's week two, and maybe it's sort of like a crazy thing to be doing, like so early into our run. But yeah. I'm just giving some options. This is a headgum podcast. It's good. I mean, I would just say like, how much are they looking to just recast it with something that sounds exactly the same as what they have now? And I, how much uh, are they like? We want to go in a different direction. Yeah. yeah, based on the conversations I've had about it, there's been no indication that they're even looking for a new voice. Got it. So okay, so I'm just sort of putting it thing. out there. Yeah. yeah have you know. guys? Have you guys ever seen the um, the BBC documentary where they uh, s- sort of reenacted what Neanderthals sound like? I don't like where this is going, but <laughs> I don't. Think I have seen not this, seen no. it. Well, I mean, I guess we could play it here on the pod. I don't know what the legal rights of that is. Um, I just want to say, Matt, your voice is nothing like a Neanderthal. Wow. I wasn't even thinking, I wasn't even thinking that. Well, I thought that's I, where I, you were going with it. Oh, no. <laughs> I thought you were thinking, oh, Heather's a <laughs> terrible person. She's immediately going to liken me to a Neanderthal. And yeah. I'm here to say, you, you oh, sound nothing I see. like a Neanderthal. Okay, no, I thought that you were trying to calm down maybe a nerve that you thought that I had about what... Are we are we so like recursively empathic with one another that we just got into like a feedback loop? I think so. I think what has happened is yeah, exactly that. Um, but thank you. I guess is what I mean to say. Isn't there some theory, and I don't know if it's if it's Neanderthal or if it's a different like kind of related species, like a Homo erectus or something like. But there isn't there some theory I'm that like listening. Homo sapiens. All right, uh, are like. We triumphed ultimately not because of our superior brain power over this other species, but because of like we were just like more aggressive. I, I, I feel like I read that, read some anthropologist theories about about that at some point. I I remember reading maybe this is in Sapiens, which I don't know if that's a disgraced book yet or not, or if it's on its mm. way, or I don't know. But anyway, uh, that it was partly because we could form the concept of groups that were mm. beyond the people that we could see. So, like, mm. we exist as part of a group of, you know, podcasters. Right. Uh, and you can conceive of, what, like, how that looks in terms of the larger body of podcasters or countries or, or whatever. And that that made us able to create warfare because you would, mm, if sure. it was just, like, your little family, then, you know, it's harder to create war. But we would, like, go to war with Neanderthals. Um, but there's also so much Neanderthal DNA in us. All of this is to say, I feel like we should have pulled up that clip from the BBC where they where they do a Neanderthal voice. It, it, okay, hold on, let me. I can pull it up. Have you guys seen that clip? It's fake, but they're like they like reconstructed um, the like vocal folds of a mummy. Like yes, and. <laughs> And they're like, and this is the sound it would produce. And they like play, it's fake. But the clip that they show this in, the mummy just goes like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so funny. <laughs> oh, okay, here we go. All right, here we fucking go. All right, here is this clip of a Neanderthal voice from the BBC. Just pitch up your voice. One, two, three. Let's just add a bit of nasal now. One, two, three. Now, the other thing that would be happening, which would actually increase that 
quality is a very heavy skull that seems to pull down into the throat there. Now speak. One, two, three! Now let's make <laughs> let's make a huge arm. Okay, so <laughs> So I I do sound like this. No, you don't. <laughs> anyway, all of that was to say that I wish that was the head gum voice. It's like yeah. gum podcast. <laughs> Maybe we can get him to do it. <laughs> that also is just like what like most British television is like so much <laughs> you ever watch like a British comedy and like people are like oh this is a this this one's very popular across the pond and it is just that it's like four 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 it's like the broadest like yeah. dumbest shit yeah those Brits over there pff, what the hell they think because it's like this yeah it's their comedy is very low brow it's more low brow than ours yeah and they would do something like that in front of the queen horrible <laughs> Uh, for shame. Uh, I'm glad That's we watched that died. clip. That was worth it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, beyond that beyond that bit of business, uh, we have another thing we want to do here, which is to introduce our new producer here at HeadGum, uh, Rochelle Chen. Hi, Rochelle. Thanks so much for being here. Hello, hello. Thanks so much for being a part of the show. Hi, Rochelle. Thank you Hi, so Rochelle. much, Hi. Rochelle. I'm so happy to be here. I love this podcast, and I love games. God bless you. Hell yeah. Uh, we're going we're Thank gonna talk you, about <laughs> We're we're gonna talk because you mentioned a specific game and I think we should wait we should wait till our next segment to talk about that. But we're we're very, very happy to have you on board uh, as part of the team here. Um, and uh, and also we want to say from a business perspective that this month's We Play, You Play, we kind of went back and forth in terms of what to cover uh, for our extended episode about one game in particular. And what we landed on is a classic, an all-timer, and kind of the way that we covered, you know, Shadow of the Colossus recently, or when we covered Portal back in the day. Uh, we're going to go back in time. Or Sonic 2. We're going to go back in time and cover Super Mario Brothers 3. Uh, the game that more than anything seems to have inspired Super Mario Brothers Wonder, uh, which everyone is playing right now, including me. And that will be coming Monday, November 27th. So extended discussion on Super Mario 3 uh, coming at the end of this month. I can't wait. That's going to be so fun. Yeah, it's going to be yeah. a lot of fun. Uh, depending on my uh, my mobility, I might play that on a CRT. I might play old, original Super Mario 3. Wow. wow. Sure would be nice. Yeah. Sure would be nice. Speaking of classics, you guys hear that they've uh, they've announced a live-action Legend of Zelda movie with uh, Miyamoto as a producer and then a bunch of other people. Uh, yeah, it's it's Sony. It's a co-production with Sony. <laughs> yeah. Who I guess did, uh, you know, did, as far as video game adaptations do, Uncharted is their big most recent one, right? And that was supposed to be really good. Truth be told, it was supposed to be a, a, a fine adventure movie. I didn't, didn't see it. Didn't we watch it? We did watch it for the we show. We did watch it. We covered it on the show. We did? <laughs> we did yeah. an episode on Uncharted. <laughs> I know you watched, you watched it. it because you commented on specific sequences. <laughs> Yeah. You talked about how much you hate Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> oh, God damn. Well, um, fuck. Uh, I don't remember it at all. Entered and exited my brain. <laughs> 
like a breath. Yes, <laughs> it, it's not. It's not a particularly substantive movie, but it's a. It's a fine adaptation Holy of the shit. source. <laughs> Remember, there's not a Papa they... John's in that like old. Oh like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. They were fighting a Papa John's. God damn it. Anyway, they're they're making a Legend of Zelda movie, and my only pitch is that I I I really hope they make the brave and cool choice to keep Link silent. Absolutely not going to do that. I think that, that would on. be so, what they're for sure not going to do that. We go on. Yeah. Yeah, but can you imagine if they did? Yeah, it would like be cool. How, they could, it would have been easier to like, do with Mario, and they didn't do that. But keep going. It would be so fucking ice cold as a movie mm-hmm. to have everybody in the world except Link talking, and him be it. It would like make his silence into stoicism because mm-hmm. he would see it acted like he could still like grunt and scream and shit, but they'd be like, they could, he could walk into a room and they'd be like, yeah, you gotta yeah. fight Ganon. And then one of like the comedic sidekicks could be like, uh, this guy doesn't talk much. So let me tell you what he's thinking. I yeah. got this. <laughs> and then I think it should be PG-13, and they should still give him the one fuck. Like, and he says fuck, and that's, like, the only thing that he says in the whole movie. Uh, yeah, I, I'm guessing they what's going to happen is they'll ca- they'll cast, like, Austin Butler or something. He'll have <laughs> a lot of lines, and he will have wisecracks. It, like, it, it probably will be, like, a Tom Holland Uncharted style of casting, and so he will have that sort of in- characterization, yeah. Because that's what, that's what they did with Pratt. They were like, let's get a movie star, and he's going to talk a lot. Like, yeah. and, it, and it worked really well for them. I, I don't think that's the reason that movie worked. Um, but, you know, it, they, they, they now can point at that and say, like, okay, that's the model. Get a big movie star, big Western movie star, and then, you know, make him, like, the focal point, and yes, he's going to talk. Wow. Yeah. Jack I Black hope- should be Tingle. It might happen. That'd be fun. Jack Black just plays a character in every Nintendo movie. I think so. Why not? Yeah. I think he's a big reason why the Mario movie works because he just gives it everything he's got. Live action is the shock, the most shocking part of the whole thing. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. That's, that's where I'm the most surprised. I, I feel like we've, we're waxing. We should be talking about what we're playing. That's what we should be doing. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Well, I guess that brings us to the question that we ask every week. What are you playing? What are you playing, guys? Can I well, go first? Yeah. Please. So, you know, I'm I'm not sold still on Mario Wonder. But there hmm. is a Sonic the Hedgehog game that came out, I think, in the same release window, if not the same week. And that's Sonic Superstars, right. which is a classic 2D side-scrolling Sonic game featuring Sonic, Knuckles, Tails, and I think Amy Rose. And I've been playing that. And the levels themselves are more fun to me than Mario Wonder. Wow. Everything else about the game demonstrates how limited the development resources are at Sega at this point. Because, like, when it's loading a level, 
like the animation I'm playing on switch the animation for the loading screens like stutters and freezes and continues there's like errors of like smoothness to the presentation itself and also the graphics are a mixed bag of like extremely gorgeous and then like sometimes kind of look a little bit like a mobile game uh especially on the bonus stages Mm. which are a baffling set of like callbacks to the sonic series like Mm -hmm. they had the sonic one like rotating maze they have this like sort of grappling hook thing they don't explain what any of the currencies do so like you know early in the game you're you're just it's like collect the medals and so you like collect medals and then it's like congratulations sonic got five medals my favorite parts of the game are that sonic does not fucking talk it's back to classic Sonic. The dude is, is just silent and he's going fast. Mm. And that extends all the way to the hand-drawn animated cutscenes and opening scene. Oh. Which look like the best Sonic the Hedgehog Saturday morning cartoon you could ever hope for. Like so much personality, so much uh, vibrance. And it, it's it's there are parts of the game where you're like, fuck, this is good. And then there are parts of the game where they're like, this feels unfinished, like hugely unfinished. Sure. But level to level, going through a Sonic level, and I think this is just partly because I'm a Genesis kid, it's more fun for me to go fast, to see stuff, to like backtrack, to like, the the levels are also so tall. You know, like a, a, a Mario level is often either horizontal or vertical, but a Sonic level is like, Imagine you're only seeing one floor of a 16-story building, and you can switch to any floor at any time. Right. So so I'm really enjoying it. And I sat down to try it and ended up playing, like, I don't know, six levels straight through before I was like, okay, I guess guess I'm done for the day uh, for now. And, you know, the music is a little, it it also is kind of a mixed bag. Some of the tracks are like fucking great classic Sonic with Genesis style drums, which is great. And then some of them are a little uh, Sonic Mania, like modern versions of that sort of thing, which I Mm -hmm. like less. But yeah, I actually, I played a game that wasn't Fortnite and I also played Fortnite, Fortnite OG. (laughs) Uh, Not a fan. I'm not a fan of Fortnite OG. Oh, wow it's so much not my game that I I was worried it would break my addiction. You were worried wow. it would break your addiction? Yeah. I don't want to stop well, doing this thing. Well, no, because Fortnite brings me so much joy. I get it, and, yeah. And, um, you know, it had its biggest ever single day of play this last weekend. 44 million people were playing Fortnite simultaneously. That's, that's insane numbers. Like, imagine 44 million people going to the fucking movies in the same day like it's not that doesn't fucking happen. takes me back to barbenheimer weekend i don't i honestly i think that it's there that's not as many people like anyway the, um <laughs> so you play with the original map and the original graphics and it's really sparse and the question that a lot of the people i've been playing with both on the battle bus and irl um have have been asking is like how did this game get so big because when you play this early map with early graphics and early item placement it's like this is not fun interesting yeah 
but they're updating the map every week. They're adding new items every week as they sort of like blow through the history of Fortnite to get us back to the newest maps, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I'm not a huge fan of Fortnite OG. Nick, what have you been playing? Well, I want to take a, a quick tangent, actually, and toss it over to Rochelle. Because before we started and before I'm you joined, so, I'm sorry. no, oh, this God, is I'm no, sorry. no, no, no. I it, well, actually that you you did the you did the right thing to bump the ball over to me, but I'm gonna go ahead and set it in volleyball terms over to Rochelle so she can spike it over the net because you were just talking Fortnite and Rochelle. I know you've been playing some Fortnite. Heather, very much like you, I have a Fortnite addiction. Um, almost every day yeah. I play. Oh yeah, almost every day. Almost every day, and I agree. This is the ugliest game I've ever seen. Fortnite <laughs> <laughs> and it's just so sad because it was so beautiful before. And now it's it, it looks like trash. And I am not enjoying it either. Why does it look so ugly? What about it is so unappealing? Is it just is it like the palette? Is it like the environment design? Like what what are we look like? Does it just look like it's from, you know, 10 years ago or however many years it, it launched? Oh, yeah, it just looks really janky. It does look like it was made a long time ago, which I get mm. that there's, you know, it's a nostalgic for some people, but I have I didn't play back then, so right. I have no nostalgia for it. <laughs> it it came out the same year as, I think, Fallout 3. Uh, and if you look at those games... That can't be true. Fallout, it was Fallout 3? Fallout New Vegas? Fallout 2008? Okay, Fallout New Vegas. I no, I'm just, I just—I honestly don't know how many how like has Fortnite I, been around that long? I had no Fortnite idea. Fortnite is uh, 2017. Maybe for, uh, Fallout Four. Fallout Four. Well, fall, even Fallout Four, I think, was earlier than that. Well, Fallout Four is whatever. 2015. There's some Fallout game that came out the same year as as Fortnite, and yeah. I think it's the Fallout games Probably as being 76. like a, a pretty. Somebody on our Discord was talking about this. Yeah. About it being like a kind of a pretty game, and Fortnite OG looks it i mean it looks bad uh, it's it's startling how bad it looks and i kind of feel like it's like people have been complaining because everybody complains if you yes. make something for them they are upset about it mm -hmm. uh people have been complaining about mm. is that true for about so podcasts long. i haven't encountered that it is it's true <laughs> um, but i feel like the the user base was like old fortnite was better that new fortnite sucks and I, I, I wonder if how much of this was Epic being like, really? Do you remember Fortnite? Right. Do you really remember how like massive sections of the map are just flat green plains with no points of interest, no and no loot, no nothing. And then like some players are like, yeah, this is how it should be. It should be a game of strategy. It's like Fortnite's fun because it's like. You get in a car or on the back of a pig. Like, I don't want to play a game where it's like... Yeah, <laughs> right. You have to run, like, 10 minutes in some direction on a flat plane to be able to shoot somebody. Also, I didn't mean to take over your question. No, no, no. So Everything you that you're saying is exactly how I'm feeling. It's just you, it I, feels boring. It's more boring it's now. Boring as That's shit. a bummer. What got you into Fortnite initially? And do you have like a, a character that you uh, maybe purchased with V-Bucks that you typically play as? I started playing about a year ago, um, Christmas last year. I had COVID. And then oh, no. my friend uh, 
gave me his old gaming PC and I had heard about Fortnite. Yeah. It was like such a meme and I was like, I, I'm going to play it for fun as a joke. <laughs> and then I, I just got sucked in completely. Th that's kind of how it happened here. Oh, really? Is that what happened to you, Heather? Like yeah. We played it for, we did this thing called Uggtober. We were introducing each other to games we thought the other one wouldn't like. And we did it as an exercise for Nick. Yeah, to torment me, to make me play uh, Fortnite because I was uh, scared of being shot by uh, by uh, tweens. Uh, but then I ended up having a blast. <laughs> and then Heather ended up having, developing the strongest addiction of any of us and kept playing it since then. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, it has love. It, it's been a lovely ruiner of my life. Like I, <laughs> I truly enjoy it. It has, uh, it has clogged the pipe of any other game. Like I'm like, oh, I'm gonna play God of War, and I started God of War, but you know, like two levels in a God of War, I'm like, I really, I, I feel like I should drop in and play a little Fortnite. Like <laughs> I play Mario Wonder, and I'm like, nah. I should play a little Fortnite. Like it's it's really the day. It's like it's like breakfast. It's like right. the best part of the day. It's wonderful. Yeah. Until Fortnite OG. Uh, but but who? I'm I'm curious, Rochelle. Who do you who do you play as? Are you are you uh, do you, do you, are you are you a banana? Are you Batman? Are you Iggy <laughs> Azalea? <laughs> um, I'm usually this. Uh, <laughs> um, I ha I got a generic anime pack, and I usually play one of those girls. Uh, oh, nice. Hell yeah. I also bought the Michael Myers skin, so I've been playing as him. Nice. Good choices. Do you play as the, on, on the anime skin pack, is that like the prep school pack? Um, where you can like oh, no, customize? But I, I do have that one too. It's pretty good. Pretty good. I love it. Yeah, I like being different um, guys. I play exclusively as either the Terminator or Ivor from Assassin's Creed. <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that's the beauty of Fortnite, where all these characters come together it's so fun so beautiful <laughs> yeah it's true anarchy uh matt what are you playing okay well last week i said i was really enjoying spider-man 2 and this week i simply must report that i did finish it and wow. <laughs> oh shit <laughs> oh, and yeah, was I shocked to see that my playtime was like 35 hours i was i it flew by <laughs> and um, I, I loved it and I'm not done with it. Like there's still, like I finished the story and like, I didn't do all the, the side things. And this, this game doesn't have as much going on, uh, sidewise. It feels like compared to the first game, but I, I like that about it more because I don't like that. I don't like when there's like, when all the side stuff is like fetch quests or, or things like that. So this one has a little bit more going on. There was a really great a wonderful side quest where I thought I was going to be playing Miles, but I ended up playing as um, his friend Haley, who is who is hearing impaired and uh, only speaks in sign. And um, she's an artist. And the quest was you were going around and you saw all this like graffiti that had been crossed out. And you're like, you start covering over the graffiti with sort of presentable art. And then you catch up with the graffiti artists. And the reason that they're crossing out their own graffiti is that they're not really good at it. And Haley, having learned lessons from both Spider-Men, takes that opportunity and is like, no, you, I can tell that you're actually a good artist and like shows the graffiti artist uh, a better technique and a way to appreciate their art. And it was it was wonderful. I was like, what is like, why is this in here? This is like it was such a sweet <laughs> it was such a sweet thing. And normally I don't love the 
non-Spider-Man parts of the game, like when you're just kind of walking around. But I loved sure. that as a, as a story. I thought that was very sweet, uh, a very touching story. And then the overall story of Spider-Man 2, I thought was fantastic. Really fun, uh, really great action set pieces. And I look forward to more. I waited four years for this one, and I knocked it out in two weeks. Um, isn't that how that always works? <laughs> like, you wait so long for a sequel to a game that you loved, and then it's gone in a flash. But I'll be, I'll be getting back it in there. Or you bounce off of it. Yeah. And they're just like, oh, well, shit. This thing I waited for, I just like never actually made time to play. Yeah, but I'll, I'll be getting back to it because I want to, I want to, yeah. I would like to see that 100%. I don't know if I'll platinum it, but I, I would like to get that percentage up. And I know that I, there has to be DLC. There will, I know that there will, there will have DLC in, in the future because the first game had some really, really fun DLC um, packs for it that I, I hope, I hope to get to play on, on this one, but that, that's basically it for me. And, you know, still messing around with wonder, but other than that, that's it. Can you give a little little Bill Maher new rule real quick? Yeah. Oh my God, no, absolutely not. <laughs> okay, then I won't. <laughs> no, I want a I want a rule, but I do not want a new rule. New rule. Oh um, no. That's got my back. If you one hundred percent a game, you should platinum it. I don't like these percentages not being the same as platinuming or or you know. Uh, getting like like every trophy. If you accumulate every trophy, it should be the same as 100%ing it. Like the percentage has to sync up with the trophy and achievement system. Otherwise, what are we doing here? And it's confusing. Then you have this conversation, and someone's like, "I 100%ed it." Well, I didn't finish the bonus level, or like, "Well, I didn't do it on hard." It was like, "Well, then you didn't 100% it." But like, it's because you didn't do everything that ha that is available in the game. Like, it has to sync up with the achievements. I love this take, and I do. I don't like when, because I'm not an achievement hunter anyway. But I don't like when getting the platinum is locked behind completing the game on different difficulties. Spider-Man doesn't let you do like doesn't do that. Like you can a hundred percent. You can finish the game at any percentage and get the trophy for completing it. Um, and let me tell you, I toward the end of that game, I, I kicked that um, difficulty level down quite a bit. It was getting pretty hairy. Uh. <laughs> and the enemies, enemies have a lot of HP at a certain point. I, I, yeah. I am going to, like, I'm, here's the thing. I don't even care if you make the achievements, like, super difficult and I'm never going to get them. Like, that's fine. Like, it, like, yeah. uh, like, like it, keep that stuff in there. But if there's going to be a percentage associated with the game's completion, it should line up with those things. Right. And like maybe I do every maybe I'm at 98% perpetually cuz I didn't do those last few extremely difficult tasks. But don't let me 100% a game and then say I still got some work to do uh to get the platinum. He's pissed. I I I'm I'm pissed about Final Fantasy 16's requirement that you play through the entire game again. That's like, dumb. That's dumb. Well, because that also they they don't even like unlock the additional difficulty levels, and part of part of uh, our frustration with that game and why I bounced off of it, although both of you finished it, is that I just found like the difficulty level so low that you and you can't even raise it. Um, you can't raise like it until you finish easy. the game. <laughs> Look, it just depends on what a game's going for. Uh, in this particular game, I just felt like I was just it. it I was yeah. just going through the motions, uh, but. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I have nothing against an easy game either. But I'm just like, if you're gonna have, you're gonna lock it behind difficulty, but then this difficulty level isn't even available until I complete it for the first time. That's that's a different issue than what I was talking about. But my 100 percent thing stands regardless. He's pissed. I love it. I'm furious. I love it. 
I'll I'll just touch real quick on on uh, Super Mario Brothers Wonder uh, because uh, it's been mentioned. Uh, I I mean I am having the time of my life with this game. I think it's awesome. Yeah. I think it's terrific. I really like. I, I think I could, just a couple things I haven't touched on yet because I've talked about this game a lot and I don't want to repeat myself too much. First off, my approach to progressing through these stages. Because there's a, there's a few different ways you can do it, but you know you you, you ideally want to get the check mark. You want to get all the different uh, purple coins, and you want to get the wonder flowers, uh, the wonder flower, and then you want to you know collect everything. You want to like, and you want to get the flagpole all the way up. You want to do all those things. But I found myself having more fun with this game, just completing these stages as I go, and then going back to mop up all everything else rather than getting being stuck on one individual stage until I try to get everything. I just found that, that that's been a that's been a way that I, I've kept the game a little bit more engaging for me. So I you know I don't know. I think I think like I do have a tendency to be like, well, shit, especially with the Mario games like I want to try to get everything I want to try to get all the collectibles and you know uh, I want to I want to individually clear this one this one stage but I've kind of just mixing it up and going from stage to stage and and, and completing like a biome and then going back and cleaning everything up has been a little bit uh more fun for me and also it's a you know I read sometimes about like I mean I read I read a lot about like productivity and you know uh, uh, uh that sort of shit and like uh, apparently you do you are oftentimes more successful at a task we've all experienced this playing video games of like you're at a boss fight you're you're banging your head against the wall you go away from it for a couple hours you come back and you beat it on the first try like 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 you like just something about uh you know how muscle memory and um uh kind of everything settles into our uh, to our bodies and, and our brains is that if you do a task for a while, you go away from it and then you come back to it, you'll oftentimes be more efficient and more effective at it. So I've kind of I've just that approach has been working for me. Uh, but I also really like the airship continuous scroll stages, which is something from Super Mario Brothers 3. But just, you know, where the 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 camera is moving and you've got to keep up with it yeah. as you're going through. Those have been really, really hitting for me. There's one early on where, you know, when you get the Wonder Flower, a reticle from a cannon, um, you know, like the like the 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 game camera turns into like the cannon's perspective and you're seeing a reticle to, that is firing at you and you're trying to kind of set it up so it will destroy obstacles um, and unlock things, but also so it won't hit uh, the player character. And that's that's just really fun and imaginative. I, I think it's something that, that, that I think was done in like, you know, it's been done in other games. I mean, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, Turtles in Time comes to mind as one that's done something like that. But it, it, but I don't know, it, it's it's it was really effective for me. And I just think this game is an absolute blast. And you know what I was saying? Uh, what, what, just to follow up on something you were saying earlier, Heather, I looked up the release dates, and it's kind of like a a microcosm of the mismanagement of the Sonic the Hedgehog franchise from a video game standpoint. That uh, Super Mario Brothers Wonder was released on October twentieth. Uh, Sonic Superstars was released on October seventeenth. Why did they do that to themselves? Why did they yeah. release it three days before a new Mario game? They didn't have to do that. This game's also on Switch, right? Why did they yeah. do that? Yeah, it's on it's on Switch, and that's been the way I've been playing. And I, there are moments of pure bliss in it. Yeah. And nobody nobody's gonna play fucking Sonic Superstars. I like <laughs> find a different release window. Why would you do it? Oh, and it's so it looks good, man. Sonic looks good in classic form. He looks good. Yeah, he looks good. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about. <laughs> oh wait. Oh no. <laughs> Oh, 
let's talk about the game was better five nights at freddy's we're gonna dig into this movie uh this is the, the movie is based on the indie game developed by scott cawthon i think that's how you say his name c-a-w-t-h-o-n scary I sure. scott cawthon uh it was released on october 29th of this year uh i mentioned it's gross it's directed by emma tammy and has five credited writers including cawthon himself this game is super successful, especially with younger people, the Five Nights with at Freddy's franchise, which I think is like something like five or six games at this point. I mean, they've made a bunch of sequels and spinoffs. I, I and it, but it is a game there, you know, and I think this is a generational thing because I am so very old. I, I I've I never really got into Five Nights at Freddy's. Um, has anyone played this game? I well, I played through it before recording this like i i got it i popped so it on last night the podcast i should have done that yeah and you can you can it's it's pretty slight like you could get through it in a couple of hours like and i just kind of i played through it in a sitting basically and right it was kind of challenging because i believe it's more of a point and click sort of situation uh when you're playing it but the way it works is um you you basically have control of a camera feed and two doors on either side of you. And you have to monitor the camera feed to make sure that the animatronics are staying in place, right? Uh, and then you also have to make sure that they're not getting close to where you are because if they get to the room that you're in, you can't, you can't move. There's no player mobility at all. It's just a screen where you can look at the camera right. and close and open the doors. And so if the, um, that feels like my experience of watching this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's so this, I have, I, I'm shocked that they were even able to make a movie out of this because like that is kind of all the game is, but I played through the whole game after having seen the movie already. And I was like, well, where did they even get the lore for this? Cause like, I know there's lore. I know that like, there's like these people know these characters really well. And all of it is like background stuff. Like the stuff about the kids going missing and stuff is like in the, like on the newspapers on the desk in like one of the rooms. Right. Like, it's I not think... stuff that's expressly told to you necessarily. So my understanding from what I've read of this is yeah. that a a lot of the the stuff that's in the movie uh, comes from the subsequent Five Nights at Freddy's games, um, mm -hmm. and you know, the, so, you know, so some of the other ones in the franchise. There's also like an authorized novel, and you know, some of the games are like things like there there is there are like the the canonical Five Nights at Freddy's one through four. I think that's where the series ends. But then there's also games like you know Fred uh, like Five Nights at Freddy's Sister Location or Help Wanted that have their own. They're they're kind of like sub like you know spinoff games that have their own lore that mm -hmm. all informs the larger thing. But I think a big part of it, a big part of this game's success, especially with like like Zoomers who are very very online, is because so much of it is told through inference. So much of it is told through just like stuff that's like like you were saying like in the background it's a thing that you can like comb over on fucking subreddits and tiktoks and you know yeah hour-long youtube videos uh explaining what's really going on at five nights and freddy's and people love the inscrutable nature of it i mean it's a similar sort of thing that happens with FromSoft games right it's like yeah the stories of these games are not necessarily super explicit you might have to watch a a super long uh, uh you know explainer to understand exactly what's going on and still that's all just someone's fan theory but all of that is a big part of why it's so popular i think among uh people who are super online and the thing about the game that i'll say is 
It's rated T for teen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I found it to be a lot scarier than the movie. <laughs> this is this is this is honestly so here's the thing. I recognize that this is not for me. I recognize yeah. that this is from what I've read. Anecdotally, people are like the like these theaters are filled with teenagers and they're all having a great time. Everyone's like it, you know, they're 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 laughing and they're cheering and they're they're recognizing all the references and they're clocking all the YouTuber cameos that all the shit that just flies over my head because I don't know the source and I'm not 17 years old. Yeah. Uh, so I understand that it's not for me and that's okay. Like thing, not everything has to be for me. But as a horror property, as something that is marketed as a horror movie, mm-hmm. I found this to, to just have no real menace or, you know, sense of threat at all. I found yes. it just to be really pretty lifeless from a from a standpoint of being a thriller. Yeah, there's no um, mood in it. And, like, there's PG-13 horror movies that are fucking terrifying. I want to say, I think Rosemary's Baby may be rated PG-13. I know there are big, famous horror movies that are PG-13. I, uh, and I'm, I, I'm not capable of looking up anything at the moment, so I can't. Normally, I'd Wikipedia this, and I'd seem so smart, but instead, I'm just going to speak. There wasn't any threat. There wasn't any pathos. There wasn't any, like, atmosphere to this. Like, there weren't... Like, you don't have to have jump scares to make something scary. You can have shot choices that make things scary. You can, like, frame everything so that, like, your characters are out of focus in the foreground and a door deep in the background is in focus. Mm -hmm. And that makes the audience feel like, oh, God, something's about to happen. Something's about to happen. And even if nothing does happen, you've created that tension and that anxiety in the viewer that allows them to keep their heart rate going to keep the the thrill coming and a lot of this movie and i you know i don't want to denigrate anybody's this was every every fucking thing in the world is so much work and i know i prefaced this entire podcast by saying if you make something people hate it um but for me part of the like joylessness and the and the anti-fear of this film was like it was like shot, two shot, two shot, over shoulder, over shoulder, over shoulder of conversations. Like it was just like coverage instead of like, I don't know, you have conversations in the American remake of The Ring where I'm like, Am, is everybody on screen about to die? Yeah. And I don't know how, but like this was like just like talking. It, it, it almost felt like it could have been shot for a network drama instead of like a horror property. Unlike both of you guys. I did no research about Five Nights at Freddy's and I also didn't play the game. And here's why I have for all of these other properties that we've watched, known the lore, been like able to pick out Easter eggs. And this was the first time that I've seen a video game movie where I'm like, I am watching it as if I'm Roger Ebert watching Silent Hill. Like I'm just I'm just going to be like, it's going to wash over me. And like some of it might be confusing None of this was confusing, but also none of it like ultimate. I mean, it was confusing in that I was like, <laughs> why are these characters doing making these choices? But not why is this place haunted? Like the, the story is piped out pretty, you know, like someone's feeding you casserole. Like it's just like, here it is. And nobody discovers anything as much as they're told the thing. Yeah. But yeah, it was. It was not disorienting to know nothing about Five Nights at Freddy's. There was a there was a point in watching it where because I was really trying to give this movie the benefit of the doubt. I have no 
frame of reference for the game. I just know that it's popular, like YouTube, like generation, like thing. And I did get kind of excited to go see it actually. Um, because I went to Halloween Horror Nights this year and they had the animatronics. And for some reason, seeing the animatronics there, I was like, oh, maybe I'll watch this. That looks, it's cool that they actually built these for the, uh, for the movie. Yeah. And about, I, I, I just, the movie's not very long either. It's like an hour and a half. Yeah. And at, like maybe mm, like, it's like 40, an hour 49. It was actually longer oh, really? than I expected. Yeah. Oh, uh, but at a certain point in the movie, I said out loud, oh, so it's just bad. I thought it was like gonna, something was going to happen and I was like going to maybe start enjoying it. And I was like, oh, so it's just actually not enjoyable at all. Uh, yeah. There was like, it's not even like, I wish it was even more interesting that it was bad. Like that it, it, it was bad in a fun way. It's kind of just not very effective in any, in any, because I'm not like not a huge, I like horror movies fine, but I, I'm not like a horror snob. I'll watch, you know, Megan's PG-13 and I loved Megan. I don't think Megan's fun that Megan, scary, yeah. but Megan's fun. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, with this, I would, I will say Matthew Lillard's performance is a home run. He's he's great. He's, he's always good. good. Yeah, I, I love, always love to love see him. <laughs> but he's great. I, there was, I I just was kind of so surprised that you could have made this movie. This could have been you could have made one of the nights, and that's the whole movie. And like it's like Saw kind of or something, where then you're sort of monitoring the the camera with the main character and being like, oh god, the it's getting close. It's in the pirate cove part of the pizzeria. Let's let's make sure that he stays over there or something like that. But it's I I was not scared at all. And then they were like fun. Then they were like having fun with the animatronics and like yeah, hanging so- out with them. So this is this is the big issue is that the and I've heard this 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 same observation slash complaint from other people, which is the idea of a haunted animatronic is obviously the core hook of the whole thing. And there there is some like inherent unnervingness, uh, you know, uncanny valley aspect to this thing that's that's not actually alive, that's mechanical. But what if it actually had like a soul in it? Is like, is it alive? And the idea of that yes. thing coming after you, being this like large like robot that also looks friendly, it's all kind of upsetting and unnerving. And in fact, the origin of Five Nights at Freddy's comes from uh, the creator Scott Cawthon making a previous game. I should have looked up his pronunciation. Uh, making a previous game where he had a character like this and un- unknowingly everyone was like that character looks creepy and he just sort of took the ball and ran with that so he had like this character design of this, this beaver or something yeah. like that everyone was like that's really scary and so he's like oh what if I just build a whole game around that so that's the whole that's the whole hook the, they're too fucking friendly the robots aren't they're scary. They're so friendly. They're, they're immediately like friendly. They're befriending the kid. It's just like, these need to be menacing and scary. These things need to be fucking like, I think this thing is going to fucking kill me with its hook hand. And we don't ever have that sense of threat. With they, they And, uh, you know, let's just, can we like fucking go spoiler country from this point forward? If you're going to see Five Nights at Freddy's, okay, go, go for it. Pause it's on the, Peacock. Yeah, it's on Peacock. Peacock. You can watch it at home. But I feel like in, from this point forward, in order to discuss discuss the film, and maybe even a little bit before this, like that's kind I of mean, a spoiler that they become friendly. I, yeah. I here's what's frustrating to me is that we did get one scene where the fucking robots were crazy violent at the and as a cold open. As at, is that no during the the break in sequence. 
Oh, the break-in oh, sequence. Oh, sure. Yes. The break-in sequence, they're also violent. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah so they have a violent this, cold open in the break-in sequence as well. You get yes. this convoluted, like, so you get a Saw-style cold open where a guy is going to be, like, mutilated by one of these things. Then you have a sequence where, in order to construct the most backwards way of getting custody for a kid, this woman hires goonie style goons to break into five nights of freddy's place and <laughs> wreck wreck an abandoned building yeah which who the fuck would even know how, like that that had happened and then the security guard will be responsible for that damage he'll get fired and then sh- this woman will get custody of his younger sister and we don't know why she wants that we're only it's only inferred by another character that she just wants the 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 government check for taking care of a kid but the sequence where these guys break in is pretty fucking gruesome yes one of the characters is bitten in half by a animatronic bear i think it's a bear maybe it's a duck i don't remember uh and you're like oh shit wow if we start here these guys are gonna be pulling people apart by the third act and then nothing ever happens again the most violent death in your horror film should not be in the first 30 minutes of your horror film like you're supposed to arc up so so let's take a step back for a second because i do think i do overall think this and i don't know the director emma tammy i don't know uh, their other work i do think it is it is you know has some cool shots in it. i think it is overall like well directed but i think there is an issue with this movie which is just the in the same way that E.L. James, who wrote Fifty Shades of Grey, uh, had such a big IP that that they were able to get like all this creative control over absolutely every, uh, you know, like this really granular level of decision making, which is just an impossible way to make a movie. Um, apparently, Scott Cawthon uh, had the same sort of of agreement here. Uh, there's a New York Times piece about this that's just basically mostly talking about how he used to make Christian games and semi-opportunistically flipped to make uh, this horror game uh, because, you know, that he was having trouble finding an audience with his more uh, explicitly evangelical content. A couple quotes here from Jason Bloom <laughs> uh, from Bloom House. There is no ma- amount of money you could have offered Scott up front to say, let us have the rights to FNAF and we'll invite you to the premiere. He would never, ever have done it. Uh, it's and then continuing on. Uh, it was a very, very complicated process, Bloom said. Sometimes it was difficult. Scott would say this director isn't going to work or this writer isn't going to work. It became clear that if I pushed it, Bloom said, he was going to throw me off the movie too. So he's saying this on the record, and he's basically just kind of saying like this was this is we were our hands were tied, and that's how we ended up with this. It's it's kind of weird to be saying that uh, just on the cusp of this thing being released, which is wildly commercially successful yeah and you know just the the but i mean i think that kind of speaks to anything that's kind of like weird or or just seems like you know nonsensical in this movie i personally i don't i don't know what how the production worked but i personally assume to have somewhat been a byproduct of that broken process the the blumhouse like production model though i just saw him on shark tank so this is pretty fresh in my mind actually i've been watching a lot of shark tank and his whole thing their whole thing is low budget big box office they have 13 of the most profitable movies ever made like yeah this in the was history a 20 million dollar budget uh, yeah. as i said earlier and just over 200 million so this no matter what 
the quality ended up being this thing is going to always make money no matter what. Like it was, it's, this was going to be a cash cow either way, I think. And it's, you know, that's fine. That's one way to make movies, but it's also like we could, this could have, it cause I think the premise, the premise alone is rock solid. I think the premise is good. I think that's a fun, interesting, scary premise that if the movie was good, I would be sitting here right now being like, I love this. Yeah. But it's just, it wasn't very scary. The, the speaking of things that odd character motivations. There's a there's a police officer woman in this movie, um, you know, who apparently AC- is a is a real character from the game. The yes, but she and, was not a police officer. They they made her a cop. They deputized her for the movie. ACAB and <laughs> um. So she's she's this character. She befriends the the security guard and. And in, in his sister, his little sister. And at one point they have a falling out sort of like midway through the movie. And she gets very aggressive with him and is like, if you bring her back here again, I'll shoot you. When I was just like, what? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and later justified by the, the, the idea that she... We're deep into spoiler country now. That her that the Freddie Fazbear bad guy uh, is her father, and yes. who has been kidnapping kids and trapping them inside of these animatronic animals. And so she's like, "You're this." She knows this is going to happen to the daughter, but can't say it for some reason. But also, it's unclear why she can't say it. I guess just so the story boost word. Like, it's all very muddled and confusing. You were right, Heather. You're talking about the custody thing earlier. It's just this B plot is completely unnecessary and adds like 20 minutes of runtime to this movie. Uh, but just like there's there's just zero need for any of this shit. It's it's so boring. And I think this is this is my my big issue because I gave this movie my full attention. Yes. Um, I, yeah, I, I give it a chance. I'm, I'm, I'm. My phone is away. I'm locked in. I'm watching this fucking thing. I fell asleep twice, and I'm just like, <laughs> I, I don't normally fall asleep during a movie. I fell asleep twice. I had to watch this in three different chunks. It's it's sub two hour movie too. It's you probably very, sat through just, Killers of the Flower Moon in one sitting. Oh my god, riveted. Yes. No pee break. No pee break. I watched it with again with my mother and my wife. Oh yes. And Mary. The the movie itself entered her brain so lightly that when the next day we saw in a different on a TV show a kid in a tent on the ground like a like a like a bedroom tent which mm-hmm. f- figures pretty prominently in this I was like what is this the new trope for everybody and she went what do you mean and I'm like well, like the same as last night the kid inside the tent and she's like what in Five Nights at Freddy's and I was like yeah the the little girl kept sleeping in tents and she slept on the office floor. And Mary went, she did? And I went, yes. And she went, I have no memory of hardly anything in the entire film. And then my mom, who, you know, doesn't get to watch a lot of horror movies because, like, my dad's not really into it. Um, she was, like, super gung-ho. She's like, oh, I can't wait. This is going to be great. And we'd watched, I think, some other horror movies since she's been here. And... Uh, and she was like, this is, this is just boring. And like, <laughs> it felt like she was sad. And then Aww. I felt bad because like, you know, it's an hour and 40 some odd minutes of, of my mom's life that yeah. was 
taken from her by Five Nights at Freddy's and her wanting to get scared, like getting excited to get scared. And it just wasn't scary. I also I know this is an unfair comparison because I'm about to compare it to one of the best movies of all time. Um, The original Ghostbusters is PG. Mm -hmm. This is PG-13. And the original Ghostbusters film, I think, has more actual scares in a film that is a, a comedy than, uh, than Five Nights at Freddy's does. And that film is not a comedy. Like, there are zero laughs in Five Nights at Freddy's. Well, I yeah. I, I I agree. I, I I didn't. It didn't. The comedy didn't work for me in here. Although again, apparently it's working for for Zoomers. I mean, it's it's. Uh, I that's a good good comparison to Ghostbusters. Yeah. Here here's here's what I would compare it to. First off, I will say that the, like I understand that Five Nights at Freddy's for a certain generation is like that was their introduction to the idea of something being spooky and scary, but for like a tween and teen audience for like yeah. for like kids. I understand that. If you are, if you were like eight years old in uh, in 2011 and are an adult now, uh, that you pro- you are watching PewDiePie and Markiplier uh, stream, you know, Five Nights at Freddy's at a certain point, whenever that came out, it came out a little later. Yeah, like, g- getting some don't, interesting don't... political information as well. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but you were you were watching that, and that was your equivalent of like what for me, you know, I was reading scary stories to tell in the dark. Or, you know, watching Are You Afraid of the Dark on Nickelodeon. Uh, I was, you know, these were like early, like this is horror for kids. I understand it's the equivalent of that. Yeah. So I understand it's going to, you're going to have some connection to it from that perspective. Faces of Death, Faces of, of Death 2, Faces right. of Cannibal Death Right, Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah, you're watching all these things. Yeah. Uh, Red as, Asphalt as I did in school. Kid. Exactly. Anyway, so I, I, I get that. I loved He-Man as a kid. And when I went to see the He-Man movie with Dolph Lundgren, Masters of the Universe, I thought it was awesome. And as a kid, and uh, later, years later, returning to it, that movie is a complete piece of shit. And I think that's what the <laughs> what the thing is here. If you're a kid and you like Five Nights at Freddy's and you're watching Five Nights at, Fred- at Freddy's as a, uh, as a kid, you're like, this movie is awesome because it's Five Nights at Freddy's, which you like. But I think probably... Like, this is a movie that you want to be good in the same way that, like, you know, some other adaptations of of, of kids' properties end up being actually good. Uh, you want it to be, like, like fun, um, but then probably when you, you view it, you look at it later on, you'll be like, uh, yeah, uh, this, actually, this actually isn't, just isn't a well-made movie. It's just kind of a piece of shit. Then again, also, maybe I'm just a fucking grandpa, and maybe you'll love it for the rest of your life. I don't fucking my know. Final, my final thought about this is, because I just looked it up. The Ring is PG-13. Wow. Oh, there you go. So like you have there was a lot of freedom here to make a terrifying film. Uh and I think you know, you could make a terrifying film that like teenagers in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s were able to watch The Ring. So I don't know why you like or like to do that generationally, it would be like Friday the 13th, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, The Ring, etc. That like these were movies that like teens and tweens went to go see. So I I feel like there was a path for Five Nights at Freddy's to be terrifying and also be about animatronics that kill people. All right. Well, look, Heather, you uh, you got to take off um any closing thoughts? Um I wish it had been Zero Nights at Freddy's. <laughs> 
<laughs> I did see a Letterboxd review that made me howl because it was not clever, and it, but it made me laugh so much. They said, more like five nights at shitties. <laughs> I, I, I was trying to think of like like a, an adaptation of a ki- of a children's property as a movie that's like good i think f- like just a good film and i think like you know like paddington and paddington 2 those are like hey these are good movies that are adaptations that are like for kids and for family audiences but they're like also like well made i wish five nights at freddy's was that but for me at least it's not um anyway uh heather uh, uh we'll see you later and we're gonna t- uh, tackle the question block all right, here we go. The first one, Nick. This one's from It's Patrick. Hi, It's Patrick. On our Discord, discord.gg slash getplayed. It's Patrick writes, what was your favorite cookie brand? I love cookies. Are you a cookie guy? Yeah, I'm kind of a, 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 a cookie crazed. Um, I, I do like <laughs> cookies, cookie brands. I guess the Tates are kind of a go-to. You know, oh, those green, yeah. Those green bagged, bagged oh, Tates. Yeah. Uh, good crunch to them. I, I kind of like that they're leaning into, you know what, like the issue with cookies, because, you know, there, there's obviously all the soft batched uh, varietals that exist on the market, but they're just like, you know what, these things, if we package them and we ship them, they're going to be inherently, like, it's easier just to lean into the crunch side of things mm-hmm. and make them crunchy, crispy. So I say I'd go with that, but like, if we're talking like a, like, you know, like a, a long standing brand. I'll just do a, I'll just do some of those Oreo those Oreo oh, uh, variations yeah. like a golden Oreo for me is always hitting. I said over the weekend golden Oreo should have surpassed regular Oreo at this point. They're so It good. definitely is the superior Oreo. I mean, I think that's that seems pretty clear to me. But I feel like yeah, I can it, eat fewer of them. Like I for some reason can absent-mindedly eat regular Oreos like like nothing, but with a golden Oreo, something about them is like, I got to slow down and really enjoy these bad boys. <laughs> uh, kind of the opposite for me. I'll really, really I'll blaze through fucking golden Oreos. Oh, they're so good. Uh, I'm partial to like a grocery store cookie. I know that at the old. Yeah, like the loft houses, but there, there's a bunch of different ones. Yeah. The ones that they no, the ones that they make like in store, I mean. Oh, like, like the bakery ones. Okay. Like from a bakery. Like, yeah, when I worked at Albertsons. You can get like a bag of back back in the old days. I don't know what it's like now, but you can get a bag of chocolate chip cookies that are fresh made at their bakery there for like two ninety nine. And I would get one every single week, like a psycho, and just eat a bag of cookies in a week. It's a power move. Really crazy. But then recently, you know, the at, at our at our old studio, we'd go at. Uh, to Sprouts every now and then. Sometimes I'd get a cookie from there. It's just a single cookie, and they are perfect. They're so, so good. Um, Rochelle, how about you? Do you like, what's, what do you look for in a cookie? Um, I love a soft-baked cookie. Mm. I'm, not wow. a, I'm not a crunchy gal. Yeah, that's, 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 so anything soft, I'm good with. That's great. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like I'm, of the two of you then, I'm Goldilocks, and I like just right in the middle, just right. A little crunch, a little soft, but it all works for me. What's uh, the bear? Which is the the middle bear? Which is the just right bear? Because there's Papa Bear, Mama Bear. Is it Baby Bear that's just right? I guess so. Because maybe Cause Baby Papa bear... Bear's bed is too hard. Mama Bear's bed is too soft. Baby Bear's bed is just right. Is that how it is? And then Goldilocks, yeah, likes and it, Baby Bear's shit. It makes sense that Goldilocks is like super like into Baby Bear stuff because she's a kid too. So like right. they like the same kind of stuff because they're both kids. Yeah. 
they could just see through their differences, you know. I know. Put it aside. Hard. Like, oh, you're a human and you're a bear. Actually, we like a lot of the same stuff. My, you know, I when you say grocery store cookies, I thought you were talking about the loft houses, which are those those you know the, those cakey ones that have the thick layer of frosting on top of. Them. Oh, I'll those eat are, one of I those a so, year. Yeah, they're, they're so heavy, but I always yeah. associate those with the grocery store. Rochelle, is that in the, in the sort of soft like uh, that? Does that hit that soft texture? Uh, you, you know, sort of feel for you. Yeah, I, I love. Or have those. you had those? I, yeah, I know what you're talking okay, about. Okay, yeah, those I, are I love good those as hell. Ones too. Yeah. They just like reskin them for every holiday. Like they put a little yeah. different color frosting on top or whatever. Yeah, those are those hit, but they're also so. I feel like they're so overly sweet sometimes that I can really only eat one and be like, "That was it for the year on that." That's good. I had those enough frostings. Of that. Those frostings also like trick you because like like because because like I'm dumb. And so I'd be like, oh, like the green tastes better than the blue. Like it's all the same. But yeah, like, there's all, ones I prefer. I, like, I like the yellow ones. A hundred percent. Yeah, because yeah. like the yellow one seems more natural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those are the good ones. They get yeah. the good ones right now. Yeah, once you start doing green and blue, I'm like, okay, we're getting a little crazy over here. Let's yeah, do something yeah. orange. How about, huh? <laughs> this next one's from G Regulator. Hi, G Regulator. Hi, G Regulator. G Regulator writes. How do you feel about pre-ordering games? I know a lot of people don't like it. Sometimes I like the extras that come with it, but mostly, mo- but most of the time, the extras are, feel irrelevant. If it's a game I'm going to play anyway, I will pre-order it. Yes. I do still kind of like physically going into a GameStop and uh-huh. pre-ordering a, a, a disc copy of games. This is probably the last generation where you're going to be able to do that at all. Like, it'll just be done. Mm-hmm. Um, everything will be all digital moving forward, but... I do still kind of like doing that. You get burned is the thing. Like you get burned, you pre-order something, you're pot committed to it, and then it comes out and it sucks. And that's a bummer. So yeah, so so they figured out that now that people will pay a premium for the incentives in yeah. advance of release for all the, you know, the extra skins and items and shit. But also a lot of that stuff is like I don't necessarily need like the a downloadable version of the soundtrack, you know. I don't necessarily right. need like an art, an, a digital art book or something like that. A that lot you can of those only look at are, on the console. Yeah, a lot of that stuff is like kind of like a little bit superfluous for me. So I, I don't know. I'm conflicted with it. I guess if it's a game I'm going to play anyway, I probably end up pre-ordering it. Um, at the very least, I probably you probably shouldn't pre-order anything in this day and age. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm of two minds of that. Like, I agree with that. But then also, if I'm going to play it anyway, and I know that if it's if I know for sure that it's something I'm going to like, no matter what, like, I mean, there was no way that Spider-Man 2 was going to be bad to me. Right. So I pre I pre-ordered that because I've been in situations before where I didn't pre-order something and then I show up to the store and they don't have it. And then I'm driving yeah, around to different to get- stores. If you're trying to get a physical copy, yes. like I feel like a, a physical copy of a big new release, then that's a thing that you have to pre-order. And again, that's a thing that's, you know, that's that's a concern that's probably going away for good. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, they're making the choice for us. And then they'll um, shut down th- uh, the digital storefronts for yeah. the next console that, uh, yeah, won't have it either. So then we'll have no access. It'll be, it'll be right. great. You won't um, be able to play your old games because they won't be able to phone home to the server to authenticate that you bought it. Yeah. And so... Digital games going the way of the E.T. physical games, getting freaking buried. <laughs> he can't phone home either, can he? Part of the wow. big plot of the whole movie. Yeah, um, it's a big thing that happens. And then he turns, then he turns all white like dog poop when he gets all sick. Um, it's nasty. It's so gross. 
Also, I've just been thinking about this actually pretty recently. Drunk E.T., one of the funniest ever. So funny. Um, <laughs> when E.T. gets drunk, it's so funny. Yeah, that is fun. This next one's from Paul Dore. Hi, Paul. Hi, Paul. What is your favorite time of day for gaming? I have a, I have a take about this. Go for it. Daytime. And here's why. Just generally daytime. Daytime. Because you'd think nighttime. Because like, oh, all I have the rest of the day is me and my game. And then I'll go to sleep. Yeah. If I'm playing in the daytime, that probably means I should be doing something else. <laughs> but I'm playing my game. So it's kind of yeah. like I'm getting away with something, too. Yeah, you know, it's fun. like, it's pretty nice. I, I like it. So, but also, then if it's nighttime, then I can do whatever I want at night. That's pretty yeah. fun. I'll probably play the I game like, still. I like the daytime answer. I mean, if I was going to drill it down a little bit more, I'd, I'd maybe say, you know kind of mid-morning sort of like a like a, and and early afternoon kind of bracketing lunch like yeah that's maybe the ideal for me because the problem is i used to play when i was younger i used to play games after dinner or, or 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 stay up late playing video games i just can't do it anymore i just get so tired once i eat dinner i'm done i'm just oh, like i can yeah, maybe dude. watch something or read something but i can't i'm just i'm so tired at that point yeah no you know, I'm, I'm getting ready for bed basically once it's dinner time just put me to bed. That'd be an ideal move on it. So you're not yes. supposed to go straight to sleep after you eat a meal. Definitely not supposed to do that. But I but I, I can play something okay, like if it's not particularly mentally taxing. Yeah. Or or you know, if it if it's just kind of like sort of chill, I can play that after dinner. I, I can play that at the nighttime. But for the most part, if it's something like, you know, if it's if it's something like Cyberpunk, which we covered recently, I'm mm -hmm. just like I can't I can't be playing this at like nine PM. It's too involved. It's just too yeah. much mental stimulation. But like something yeah, like exactly. Mario Wonder, I could get a level or that down before i have to go to sleep but that's also borderline it's getting close yeah i think that i think mario wonder is even too much action for me wow honestly. maybe something like um i don't even know what like the, like something just purely chill like a like a visual novel a coffee talk yeah you know? yeah yeah ex exactly uh well that's that sounds good to me I, I i like that this next one's from this next one's from joey but from montreal mm. so it's not the other joey this one's from montreal Joey Butt from Montreal. Yeah, it's that Got Joey, it. the one from Montreal. And they write, what are the games that really get your palms sweating? I can get serious bog hands when playing Super Smash Brothers with my Smash Bros. Great turn of phrase, bog hands. But yeah, it's yeah. Uh, visceral and disgusting. <laughs> yeah, definitely got a... It's nasty. Nasty shit. <laughs> I definitely got them back in the day, yeah, playing Smash Brothers and the old GameCube controller for sure. I think for me, it's like really tense platformers. It's it's a game like a like a Cuphead or a Celeste. Uh, mm -hmm. It's it, and and also games that where I have like just like a really you know intense boss fights. I've actually tried to figure out what to do about sweaty palms because it's just like should I wear do I should I wear gloves? Do I do some LeBron like powder on my hands? Like what's the move? Because because it, yeah. it just actually does get in the way of controlling something. Maybe. Um... Maybe a plate of mom spaghetti will do the trick. Mm. Yeah, I'm not sure that'll counter the effects, but at least ni nicely pair with it. Yeah, and the, hey, I'll get a nice meal out of it. Right, until it's, until it's vomit on your sweater already. Oh, God, I know. One always sort of begets the other, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> on you, honestly, for having the big spaghetti dinner before your rap battle. Like maybe don't hit a Buca de Beppo before you are going to go throw down with some bars. My dog, do you know I went to Buca over the weekend? Uh-huh. 
my fiance and I were like, should we just go to the city walk and hang out? And we did. <laughs> we went and saw a movie, got the, the rebate for the parking. And I was like, let's just stay here. And we went to Buka. It was awesome. Yeah, the way so that the Universal City Walk, it's 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 next to Universal Studios for people that don't live in Los Angeles. Yeah. And you park there's there's a it's a very expensive parking structure because you're like paying for theme park parking. But if you see a movie at the AMC theater, then you get like basically a full refund. Yes. And the way they I don't know if they still do it like this. The way they used to do it is they would just hand you like if it was parking was twenty dollars, they would just hand you a twenty dollar bill. Like so is the rebate. It's thirty dollars now and Jesus. you go into the you go to the the desk at the movie theater and they hand you $25 cash. Wow. And I think so you're there's only a way paying to, five bucks for it. So you're only paying five bucks, but I think, I think there's a way to do it where you can skip that whole process and they can maybe scan your AMC app now at when you're paying and then you pay five oh, bucks got it. there, but I have to look more into it. It was, I'm sorry, trying to make the city walk, uh, a thing again and uh cuz i we had we had a, the time of our lives just hanging out there. Um, anyway, if you're if yeah. you're A-list, if you're AMC A-list, it still works. Yes. So you can just you can go and you can put you can park there. You can uh go like use your A-list for a movie you don't even see, walk in there and get your parking rebate and then you're just set. It's a pretty good so It's a nice little hack. Little life hack. Yeah. But anyway, uh, you hit a Buca de Beppo. How, how'd you feel? Like a million bucks, dude. I, <laughs> some baked rigatoni. It was yeah, because you can you can really go go ham with just a, a party of two at a Buca de Beppo. Yeah, we certainly ordered. I mean, we ordered a salad and a pasta, and we were like, "This is too much food." Yeah, it was so it was so much, but it was great. So many people had their birthdays, and then I was like, "Should we lie and say it's my birthday and get this 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 fucking Sunday the size of my head?" It was huge. <laughs> uh, get some spumoni, uh, but it was it was really great and a lot of fun, and um, I just love the city walk. But let's let's get let's get one more question, shall we? All right, great. This last question is from Jeff B. What's up, Jeff? Hi, Jeff. Jeff writes, do you prefer mini maps with fixed direction or relative to the direction you're facing? I always want on the map to be north so that I always want up on the map to be north and can't understand why anyone would want it differently. So if you prefer relative, I'd love to hear why. No, I fully agree. Yes. I, I need that map to be fake, uh, facing the same direction. It's just, it's it's so much. First off, look, I, I have a general distaste for mini maps yeah like i get that they're they're there for navigation but so often if a mini map is present it's such an eye draw especially if it's it's taking you towards an objective or something like that you're just looking at your mini map and i had you know, used to have them with stealth games all the time you're like you're just looking at your mini map for cones of vision and i'm just like design around not having a mini map that's my personal you know thing I just like let's let's plan on there being no mini map and figure out some other way to convey that information to the player like the like ghost of tsushima yes figure it out, you know like hey we got we got birds to guide you we got foxes to guide the you. We wind. Got the, the direction of the wind to guide you that's like that's like a more engaging immersive way uh to guide the player versus like i'm gonna look at a a, a 1 16th of my screen uh to see where i'm supposed to be going yeah. Anyway, all that said, if a mini map is present, yes, I want the direction to be north at all the 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 up to be north at all times for sure. Yes, and I need that mini map to work. I need that mini map to actually be effective because the map I've talked about it before. The map in Star Wars 
uh not Jedi Survivor but the previous one. They fixed it a little bit in Jedi Survivor where it's not so much an issue, but in in the first that first Star Wars game that the name is escaping me for some reason. I'll look it up. I can't remember it either. Um the map in that game Fallen Order. In Jedi Fallen Order, the map in 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 that game is horrendous. It is so bad and everything else about that game is good, but the map somehow to me impossible to read. Could not figure. I'd be lost in yeah. levels for what felt like hours, like just like trying to get back to my ship after finishing a task. And they didn't have fast travel uh, in in that one, I don't think. But in this one, they fixed it by having fast travel, which is which is good. But I I, I hate a bad map. Yeah, I hate a bad map. Yeah, I I think the I I'm 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 wondering what the timeline is going to be for us to all have. AR vision, like in our own field of vision, just as human beings, yeah. for us to have like mini maps because that's coming. I feel that way when I'm driving now. My car has that, like the CarPlay screen. Sure. And so when I have the map there, like even if I know where I'm going, I'm like, I can see the map. The map's just right. kind of there. Yeah, the map's kind of there. But like, ide- the ideal version of that is you want that just like, you know, imposed onto the road. You want to just see a line of where you're supposed to be driving. Oh, that'd be projected in front of you. you that'd know? be great. I love that. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I don't want to do like what I've been seeing people doing with the quest three headset. And I'm so like, I have the quest two and I don't really use it, but every quest three thing I'm seeing, I'm like, do I trade my quest two in for the quest three? How do I do it? What do I do? It does the, the full color pass through where you're basically yes. just seeing the, cause, cause the, for people who don't have VR, basically what you're get what you're dealing with is that you can kind of see a, a, and with a lot of the modern sets, you can see a representation, like there's a camera built in so you can see the environment you're in. And there's certain, you know, apps that take advantage of like, hey, this thing is uh, this game where you're throwing uh, balls to knock down bricks is actually happening in your living room where you're using this VR headset. You yeah. Know? But the on the Quest 2, it's it's really like a super low res black and white. And it's, so it's it's you know it, it's not particularly immersive, but it's full color with the Quest Three and the the at least the videos I've seen of it, it looks pretty impressive. It looks really really cool, but like I've seen people being like using three using pass through in an elevator. I'm watching Spider Man across the Spider Verse, and like I just can't. I'm that's great for you. I'm I'm glad that you're comfortable. I can't have somebody. I can't be seen doing that. Yeah. I just can't. That's not for me. But no, but hats off. Hats off. <laughs> but that's the, that's it for the question block. Thanks so much for writing in. And uh, if you'd like to participate in a future question block, you can join us over on our Discord, discord.gg slash get played. Uh, that's this week's Get Played. Our producer for HeadGum is Rochelle Chen. Rochelle, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Any social media or anything? Oh, sure. Uh, my Instagram is at yard underscore underscore sard. <laughs> not gonna ask for an explanation i like that also check out our paywalled show get animated where matt we are the all three of us are covering interstellar four five correct that's right and if you don't know what that is that is a daft punk anime that is a visual album for their album discovery Check it out. It's on YouTube. If you type in Interstellar 5555, you'll you'll find yes. it. And we're yeah, we're talking about it this week on on Get Animate and 
I'll just tell you right now, it's pretty cool. I think if you also just search for a Daft Punk anime, it'll it should come up. But yes. yeah, there there are rips of it available. You can watch the full movie on YouTube. So if you want to watch along with us, join us over there. That's at patreon.com slash get played. And you know what? I actually think I think Freddy got played this week. Oh, that you know what's something else? We didn't even really talk about this. Yeah. There's already a scary Freddy. There's already a scary Freddy who's way scarier than the five nights at Freddy's. Yeah, that's a that's an issue. If I'm at the real five nights, if I'm spending real five nights with the real Freddy, I'm getting called bitch five times. <laughs> and then you got played. Yeah. <laughs> that was a headgum podcast. <laughs>